Good morning and welcome along to The Home Show with me, Sinead Ryan. Coming up today, we'll be heading to Bloom in the Phoenix Park to get a taste of what awaits you there this weekend. If you'd like to get your creativity going but you're not sure where to start, we'll be checking out some fabulous adult summer craft camp workshops around Ireland. And ahead of next week's National Biodiversity Conference, I'll be asking, will this bring any practical change? And Neve Marr of Her.ie will be joining us to give us inspiration for that perfect picnic and garden party. If you'd like to get involved in the show today, you can text us here on The Home Show at 53106 for 30 cent. You can email us at thehomeshow at newstalk.com and you'll find me over on Instagram at Sinead Ryan 100. And you can listen live or listen back to the show and all of our podcasts and items on the Newstalk app, which is powered by Go Loud. Now, one of my favourite things to do in the summer is to go for a picnic. Now, I've always picnicked with my kids when they were small, even in the winter. A flask of soup, some rolls, it's all you need. But you can really go all out in summer and if you're having people over, there's nothing nicer than organising a picnic in your own back garden. Kids love it. Stick down a rug, pile into the buns and sandwiches on the ground. But when it comes to being a little bit more organised, you can really go all out with fancy. So I'm dying to hear what one of my guests is bringing in today. She's been out shopping on our behalf to bring us all things picnic. But here's my question today. Where's your favourite picnic spot. Mine is in the Phoenix Park as it happens and more of that in a minute uh, because you can go somewhere different every time. You can get a different view uh, and I love it. But I'd love to hear where you like to go especially if it's a local beauty spot in your area. Let me know here 53106 or email us at com. and you're very welcome along to the show. Now, to kick off this bank holiday weekend nicely, we're heading to the Phoenix Park, where it seems the whole world and his wife are at the Bloom Gardening Festival, and it is in full swing. Mike Neary is the Director of Horticulture at Board Bia, and among those behind the floral extravaganza, and he joins me now on the line from the heart of the action. Uh, Mike, good morning. Good morning, Sinead. How are you? Good. Not too bad. Now, listen, you are a busy man. I've been looking at the exhibits and about what's on and where everything is at. It's really, really a big event now, isn't it, uh, Bloom? Uh, Yes, it is, Sinead. And look, we've been very busy since the show kicked off as well. And and we're absolutely thrilled to be back in the park. It's hard to believe it's 2019, the last time. Bloom was held, and at that, in that year, we had about 120,000 visitors to the show. It's on a 70-acre site, so we expect to need something similar with good weather uh, happening over this particular weekend as well. And look, we like to summarise it. It's the biggest family food and garden event in the country. Uh, this is, we're into our 16th year at this stage as well, but the beauty of this is we're back live, we're talking to people. So, And I, I often think that it's, it's hard culture, it's food, and it is something for the sense that you've got to taste it, you've got to see it, you've got to experience it as you've done yourself and smell it. That's what horticulture food is all about. So we're Indeed. delighted with that. Indeed. Now, I mean, look, it's one of those things, whatever about music and kind of um, drama and acting and all that, all of that stuff can be done, albeit reluctantly online. But it seems to me that Bloom is one of those things. There's no point in doing anything online. You have to be there. You have to sense it and smell it and taste it and all that kind of thing. What uh, can people expect this year, Mike? I, I've been taking a look at uh, all of the events that are on and it's not just gardening. I mean, it really is a full, well, festival almost, really. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's what we like to call it out. Like, it is actually an event for all the family. It's a great family day out. So, you know, you don't have to be majorly into gardening. And like, if, in fact, a lot of people coming now, having coming out of lockdown, have really engaged with the outdoor space 
and their own gardens. There's been a massive... The gardening market has doubled in Ireland in the last two years. It's absolutely phenomenal. So we're finding a lot of people coming to the show now are those new gardeners looking for new tips, new help, new advice. But for other people, as you said, there's a huge food element to the show, Sinead, as well. So we've got 80 food companies here that are uh, offering tastings of their products, uh, selling them products, launching new products. So there's a huge amount of great Irish food companies here. Uh, we have our, our quality chef stage, and this is, we've got all the great Irish chefs are on stage uh, over the five days of Bloom, the Nevin Maguire's, the Roy O'Connor's. People know them all from the TV over the last number That's of years. Right. They're here. Um, you know, but we've got our music stage where people can sit down and look some great young Irish talent. And that's what Bloom is great. It brings new people and gives them an opportunity in the showcase mm. as well. And not to forget, we're bringing the family. We have great entertainment for children here. So we have a kids zone and lots of activity there. So, uh, and the other thing maybe is the craft village. If you're into craft, if you're into fashion design as well, that whole craft area is well, well represented. We've got the craft village and again, some great demonstrations of Irish, of Irish craft and how those people do their trade as well. So, as you say, Sinead, the whole show is, is a mix. It's a festival and it's a great family day out for everybody. It is indeed. And it's very eclectic. I mean, even on the entertainment stage, I'm putting the word entertainment in inverted commas because you have something on reptiles along with something on strings and the Garda Band and starlings. Yep. And I mean, there's really a bit of everything in it. Uh, and I think the Kids Zone certainly looks uh, expanded this year. Um, Mike, what does it take to pull something like this together? How far out in advance do you have to start? Well, I suppose this year was slightly different probably. If, if I go back to previous blooms, you're planning straight away when the, when the last bloom finishes. So within a week of finishing, you're reviewing what happened and you're starting to put plans in place for the following year. Because if you look at the garden designs, you have Tom on the line there, that doesn't happen in a week or two before the show. There, there could be months and weeks in that planning uh, getting the, the design approved mm. and then starting to pull together the resources and the finance to actually make it happen. Um, in, once we get onto the site, it takes seven weeks from the day we get on site before the show opens to build the site. Right. It's 70 acres. We, have a, we employ about 700 people work to build the actual Bloom site. Then once it opens, there's about 4,000 people who are employed uh, working and serving the public as it comes through the turnstiles as well. So it is, as you said, it's, it's a massive event in the heart of Dublin City as well but but it works I suppose and just be back live as well all that planning is worth it today that's all I can say All right okay well <laughs> uh, I, I will come back to you on that what's your own favourite exhibit uh, Mike just before I, I move on to Tom Well I suppose one there's I like to know and it's new this year we, we put all we've got 70 specialist planned nurseries and it's all outdoors this year so as soon as you come in the main entrance of the event is right in front of you because what we like to think about Bloom, when people go away with any idea, that they will identify great plants they want to buy, but it's from Irish nurseries. So the next time they go out to look to buy plants and they go to the local garden centres, uh, that they look out for the Irish plant and support the Irish nurseries. So for me, Bloom is all about developing the Irish horticultural mm. industry, developing our nurseries and pushing those guys to get, get more sales. So that for me is why Bloom is so important and why for me it's the most important part of it for me. All right. Well, listen, Mike, thanks for that. Stay with me because I'll ask you just a few logistical things at the end about how people can get there and all of that. But in the meantime, uh, I just want to talk to Tom Levy. Now, Tom is a garden designer and he is responsible this year um, for a remarkable musical garden inspired by Beauty and the Beast, which, of course, is coming to the Borgosh Theatre later this year. Uh, Tom, you're very welcome along to the Home Show. Thank you, Sinead. Now, this is such a pretty garden. I'd say the kids will only be falling over themselves to take a look at it. Um, it's using great inspiration from a fantastic musical. Where did you start with it? Uh, well, the planning when we when we started 
planning this. I had the, the pleasure of sitting down one Saturday afternoon uh, and having a, a Disney day and getting some Beauty and the Beast, uh, two films, a, a new one and an old one, uh, to absorb in some of the, the theatrics uh, for for some inspiration. Well, that's nice work if you can get it now, watching yes, Disney movies. Absolutely. <laughs> and The Rose is the central element here. And yes. it's everybody will know it from the show and from the films if they've seen it. Uh, and you have showcased it as, as a centrepiece here. T- talk to me a little bit about that. Uh, so The Rose is from the stage production. Uh, it, I believe it has been on Broadway in the past. And... Uh, so we carrying through the rose theme through the garden. Uh, we have been working and uh, sourcing roses, trying to get them uh, in bloom. We've been have them under glass for the last uh, two months, to try and get them as in good condition as possible for the show. Uh, so that that serves that that rose serves as a backdrop to uh, to, to, to the to the garden. Now, roses can be a little prickly, uh, excuse the pun, to grow and a little bit temperamental. If you were going to advise somebody on getting started, um, what variety, I mean, there's so many varieties of rose uh, available. What would you recommend for people? Uh, Well, if they're not big gardeners, uh, I'd advise some of the shrub roses, so the flower carpet shrub rose. There's pinks and uh, butter yellows and red ones we have we're showcasing the red here in bloom so if people want to come down here today or tomorrow uh, or monday they're very welcome to see uh, some of the the flower carpet red rose uh very easy grown very easy pruned very reliable when you see that the uh, county councils using them you know, you know they're pretty easy to grow uh, so I, that's one i would advise to, uh, to start with Okay, good advice there. Now, um, your day job, tell me a little bit about that. Is it all Enchanted Gardens? Uh, it, it depends on the day. Uh, <laughs> so um, landscape, landscape construction and landscape design on a daily basis. Uh, passionate about it. I've been 20 years in horticulture. Uh, it's a very, very enjoyable job. I'd recommend anybody that's into horticulture to come down to Bloom and uh, soak it up, soak it into them. It's a great one to get into later in life, even to horticulture. Mm. Uh, for anybody, recommend it. Well, of course, we all became gardeners during lockdown to one degree or another. It might only be growing a few herbs on a balcony. But um, do you think that the pandemic, if there's any light at the end of that awful tunnel, that it was that people kind of more gotten more in touch with nature and with their hopefully, own gardens? Hopefully, Sinead. Like, that's something, a positive out of the negative. People had to slow down a bit. To, uh, to reconnect a bit more with nature. Everybody got so much solace in their back gardens. Uh, plant sales have probably never been as, as high in the country. We found it, as, as professionals, found it hard to source plants because they were all being uh, snapped up by the public, which is, which is great in, in so many ways. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I hope the younger generation and, and kids, that, 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 seep, that seeps into them a bit and they remember that. The importance of growing their own food and then the, the amenity shrubs and, and, and flowers as well. But it, it is great. And hopefully, hopefully that lasts sure. uh, as, as COVID passes.
Well, listen, uh, the Beauty in the Beast Garden is available to look at Bloom and uh, the show itself comes to the Borgash Theatre from the 24th of November right through to the new year. 2023, I can't, I think that must be the first mention of 2023 on the show this year. Uh, Tom Levy, uh, show garden designer, thank you very much for joining us this morning on The Home Show and you can get back to work now. Mike, I'll I'll just go back to you, Mike Neary, uh, Director of Horticulture at Bordbia. Give us a little bit about the logistics of getting in. I know you're kind of I presumably want to tell people to come by public transport. Yes. The Phoenix Park is um, kind of an awkward place in the middle of it. Yeah, yeah. Look, as I said, we're in the visitor centre is the site right in the heart of the park. But a lot of people like to use public transport, Sinead. So whether you're getting a bus or a loose into town, um, if you get as far as Parkgate Street, then you can just jump on the free shuttle buses. And they're running up and down between Park Street, Parkgate Street and the actual Bloom site on a rolling basis as well. Okay. So there's no need, that's easy to get. We've also got plenty of bike racks up here as well on site, you know, if people fancy a, a bit of exercise, uh, bring the bike up as well. Another thing I just call it, tell people just to come early and get in early because there's a lot to see. It's a seven acre site to really get the best from your day, really enjoy it and avoid the crowds maybe to uh, get in early. And I, maybe they could go to the website, you know, it's bloominthepark.com. You'll get all the information what's happening at Bloom when it's on and you can also find out how to get your tickets in advance. Now tickets are €25 Euro, including the booking fee but children uh, 16 and under are free uh, and then there's additional child tickets for more than two at about a fiver. So yes. um, Mike, Neary, thank you so much. Just to mention it's, it opens at 9 o'clock, 9 to 6. 9 o'clock, okay that's brilliant. Okay, well folks uh, you can you can <laughs> listen to the rest of the home show and you can head off immediately uh, to Bloom in the Phoenix Park. Mike Neary, Director okay. of Horticulture at Borbia. Thank you very much for joining us on The Home Show today. Now, still to come, whether you're into wood carving or tapestry weaving, stay tuned for adult summer camps to tickle your creative taste buds. See you in a few moments. And you're very welcome back to The Home Show here on News Talk. I'm Sinead Ryan and before the break we were talking all things bloom and it sounds like it is a blooming great uh, festival for anybody who would like to get along there. It runs today, tomorrow and indeed uh, all day Monday and there seems to be loads and loads on. Uh, if you want to listen back to any of that, uh, do so at uh, on the News Talk website which is powered by Go Loud and The Home Show is right up there. Uh, if you're looking for picnic spots, text me on 53106. Let me know your favourite and where to find it. Now, my next guest, journalist Anna Shellswell white penned a piece recently for the Sunday Times to advise on getting crafty this summer uh, and looking, I suppose, at the whole area of adult summer camps. We can get so busy and tied up organising things for our kids that sometimes we forget that there are things we could do for ourselves uh, to give us a day out. And she joins me now to share her suggestions for some workshops to embrace your creativity wherever you are in the country. Uh, Anna, you're very welcome along to The Home Show. Thanks a million, Sinead. Thanks for having me on. Now, uh, lots and lots to do here. And I think it might surprise people out there how much there is available and you don't need to be an expert in any of these things you can just go along give it a go uh, and see how you get on if it's something you've always wanted to do you don't need to kind of install you know a pottery studio in your shed so let's take a look at some of the stuff you've come across Um, now basket weaving there's an ancient art form yeah, and I think that's uh, it's a really cool one to start on because uh, we're so obsessed with screens and Instagram and everything. Like using our hands to do something so uh, tangible and tactile like that um, is really great. So there's a basket weaver in Galway called Huron Hogan. And so whether you live in Galway already or you decide to maybe have a weekend away with a pal, it can be a one day or a two day course in Spittlecraft Village. 
and you learn how to for the first day you'd learn how to make a fruit basket and I think he keeps you kind of guessing for the second day if you decide to do the two-day course so it's really lovely and if you look at his website uh you'll see his lovely work and that what you could be uh making yourself um so for a full course I think it's about 150 euro and, and you get all the materials included and for the one-day course it's 80 euro so that's a really nice one well to that's take. not bad I mean I've spent more than that no. on a basket Mind you, exactly. it's probably better than the one I make myself. <laughs> I think if you have the watchful eye of a pro over you, yeah. you'll make something nice. <laughs> you think? All right, well, I don't know about that. Now, um, we're, we're kind of um, getting a bit more fancy now. Silk screen printing. Now, that sounds to me like a recipe for uh, a lot of ink. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it probably sounds maybe fancier than it is, because. Um, it, but it's, it's a lovely one, definitely, as well. It's like stenciling with a mesh that's kind of pulled across a, a screen or let's say a board. Um, So you can make really nice, colourful graphic prints with that. And the great thing about this one is that you will be able to make your own print run, um, create something that obviously no one else has created before. And I think um, I'm not the only one who kind of gets a bit sick of seeing some of the same prints Mm. um, all over the place and in magazines and in people's homes. And uh, there'd be no live, laugh, loves here anyway, (laughs) unless you want there to be. (laughs) All right. And where can people uh, do that one? Your own. You can do that in Damn Fine Print in Dublin 7. So that's in Stony Batter. And they do four week courses. Um, so they're held. This is actually a really good opportunity because um, for time. So it's Mondays, Tuesdays or Wednesdays um, spread over four weeks. It starts at 6.30 in the evening and it costs 250 euro. All right. Lovely. Uh, yeah. and, and you get something unique at the other end of it. Whether exactly. Not, yeah. Good, unique or bad, unique will be yeah. you. <laughs> now, um, and something that everybody does at, at one stage or another, or at least gives a go, is flower arranging. So I know this is immensely popular and an awful lot of community groups do it and, and get involved in it. But but tell me about uh, where, where somebody can go and do do a course in that. Yeah, so there's a gorgeous florist in um, in Inchicore there called Flower Pop on Emmet Road. And um, Heather, who aptly named is the owner, she holds lovely classes for flower arranging. Um, she has one at the moment and now apparently it might be sold out. But um, if there's demand for more, I'm sure she'd hold more. Um, this class, um, the next one is the 12th of June. Um, but I'm sure you could always inquire to see when future ones are coming up. Mm. Um, and it's 90 euro. And it's a beautiful morning of coffee and pastries, uh, meeting new people and learning just how to arrange your flowers and display them nicely in your home. I think a lot of us have a tendency to just plonk a bunch of flowers we receive into a... Into in a vase, a vase or a jam before, jar, um, yeah, exactly. Before cutting off the stems or learning how to kind of arrange them properly, so that's a really nice one. Yeah, and can I, use all the time. and, and yeah. as I said, there's an awful lot of community groups and flower clubs and groups around the mm. country, uh, and I'm sure your local library or community centre will direct you to where that is because it's a nice art form and it's it's yeah. one of those things that once you learn it once, it's like riding a bike, isn't it? You have it then for exactly. for life and you can get yeah, a bit obsessed I think, with it. Yeah, you'd always spot it um, when it's not done properly. <laughs> then on probably. <laughs> to fix it whenever yeah. you go somewhere. Exactly. <laughs> now, um, we feature on the show an awful lot uh, people who work with wood and upcycling mm. and recycling furniture. It's such a massive thing and we're all into sustainability and all yeah. of that at the moment. So you can do um, workshops in making your own furniture and mm-hmm. in in upcycling. Talk to, talk to me about that. Yeah, so the first one there, um, the Making Your Own Furniture, there's uh, Bevel Woodworking School. They are based in Wexford, I believe. Um, 
And you, there's a new course starting there for the summer now, and it's um, how to make your own uh, bench, like a kitchen bench. So a nice one to right. run along the dining dining room or something okay. to have outside the back door. Um, so you can make a four foot long bench, and you that is in Bevel Woodworking School. The first one is being held on the 9th of July, and it's, so the Saturday 9th of July, and then a half day on the Sunday the 10th of July, and that's 200 euro. Um, so for more on that you can go to bevelwoodworkingschool.com It's a lovely way to kind of incorporate something into a weekend away now that we're all yeah. back travelling and especially if you don't want to go to the, the airport which the airport, most yeah, people exactly. are trying to avoid at the moment and arranging yeah. kind of a girls weekend away or a Definitely. group weekend away and just saying do you know what while we do this why don't we go down and do a little workshop and, and then Definitely. you know ha- have your nice weekend away Okay now upcycling yeah. repainting remodelling reusing um, yeah. it's more than a lick of paint Anna Definitely. So this is a massive one. And I think obviously before you bring your furniture to one of these classes, make sure that it's not like a rare family heirloom or rare antique before you start um, <laughs> painting it. But <laughs> but there's great courses in, um, there's a lovely place in Ballymun called the Rediscovery Centre. Oh, sure we've had them it. on the show. Yeah. They are just fantastic. Fabulous. We yeah. love them here. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. So uh, Marianne Heafy is um, otherwise known as the revamp tramp and she holds courses there. She also holds, it's a good name. I love she, it. Um, also, yeah, she also holds courses, I think, in Kilkenny and Waterford, but the ones in Dublin um, are coming up on the 11th of June. So all you have to do is bring your own piece of furniture and the workshop costs 95 euro um, at the Rediscovery Centre and you'll learn all about how to revamp it and make a new piece for your home. Add well, so I think that yeah. is a fantastic idea because yeah. we all have some old pine or mahogany, Definitely. something or other that's ugly yeah. sitting in a corner and, or up in the attic and we don't know what to do with it. So that sounds like a great one, the revamp tramp, right? I love it. Now, tapestry weaving, that's a little bit niche and I'm wondering mm. how accessible it is uh, for everybody, but I'm sure the results would be great. <laughs> <laughs> how easy is it to master that, do you think, in a workshop, Anna? I think I think if you have the right teacher and with this one now, you'd have Anya Dunn and she's an absolute pro. Um, she is based in Ballymckenney in County Louth, I believe her studio is. And again, it's another nice one if you don't live in the area to kind of go off with a pal for a day or a night and right. um, create something really unique. Um, it's definitely a unique skill and I think it takes a good bit of work, but um, Anya would show you the way. Again, you don't need any prior experience, which is fab. And you can do um, so one on one courses cost 120 euro or group classes cost 50 euro. So you could even do it with a little gang of mates um, as well. Right. OK. Really and share yeah. and share mm-hmm. the uh, embarrassment when it all goes wrong. <laughs> all right. So sorry, where is that one, Anna? That is in Ballymckenney in County Louth. Wonderful. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. So onyodoneweaver.com is her website. Excellent. Yeah. Well, what mm-hmm. interesting ideas and, and something maybe just perk up your summer while the kids are off at the sports camp. Well, why don't yeah. you go and do something a little bit creative and you get to bring it home with you. Uh, Anna Shellswell-White, yeah. thank you so much for joining us with all that. Um, and, and thanks for being on the home show. Thanks very much, Sinead. Now, in the coming week, Dublin Castle will be playing host to the National Biodiversity Conference. So what's on the agenda and practically how much difference can talks like this make? Well, joining me now in studio to discuss it is Professor Tasman Crow from UCD's School of Biology and Environmental Science, who is chair of the National Biodiversity Forum. You're very welcome along to the studio, Tasman. Hello, Sinead. It's really good to be here. Um, Now, look... The theme on this this year is, and I know, you know, you've been doing them a number of years now, is to act now for nature. We are already told 
only in the week gone, we are not going to meet things like our climate goals, the ones that were agreed really only very, very recently. How much of an emergency are we in? In terms of climate, we're in a very serious situation and and biodiversity is inextricably linked to that as well. So it's quite important that that, that Doyle declared a a combined climate and biodiversity emergency. So from the biodiversity point of view, we're losing the populations of important species are declining across the board with with some exceptions, certainly, um, and also critical habitats are being progressively damaged and deteriorated in their quality. And and that has, obviously, that's a, a, a moral and ethical crisis in the sense that we're losing species and habitats that our forebears have enjoyed and benefited mm. from, and we're not passing them on to the next generations. But it also has a very direct sort of utilitarian consequence in that these are our life support systems. And they are responsible for providing the clean air and the water that mm. we that we rely on. They are providing the basis for our agricultural systems, our forestry, our fisheries, and so on, and all the kind of other all sorts of other kinds of raw materials. And we also have a very close cultural relationship with with nature. You know, it's part of the fabric of who we see ourselves as. And yeah, we, I mean, we, we know we're all in this ourselves. kind of giant ecosystem and living yeah. together and breathing the same air and contributing to different aspects of it, or in the case of humans, maybe taking away from, from a lot of that. And when you hear about species under threat or or um, dying away, I, I know that we think of big things like the coral reefs, and I know you've spent some time uh, down under kind, yeah. of, kind of studying that kind of thing. In Ireland, what kind of species are most at risk or, or indeed are any at risk of extinction? Yeah, so there would be species at risk of extinction. So things like the freshwater pearl mussel is at critical risk of, of extinction. Uh, there'd be a number of bird species, corncrakes, for example, and, and hen harriers. So there, there are a number of species that are identified at, at being truly at critical risk. And yet, um, we, we have all these climate goals, which, which we've signed up to, <clears throat> and these biodiversity um, targets, and we're part of the EU system on that, and we even have Greens as part of the government kind of promoting this stuff. How does it make you feel, as an expert in this area, when you see something like um, policies on turf, one of the most important commodities that we have being rolled back on? I recognise that this is a very complicated and difficult thing to do. You know, as as you sort of said, we're part of this kind of complicated. Do you find it depressing though? I mean, that that people can't see the big picture and and are focusing on. I know it's like money, but focusing on selling the sods of turf and selling the briquettes and all that. Do you want to knock heads together a bit more, maybe, than you do? I think, I think it's. I think dialogue is is the answer, and I think I know, and I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't um, dismiss anybody's concerns about, you know, and I think with the turf, especially the kind of the personal, the personal use, the cutting that's been going on for generations mm. is quite deeply interwoven into into those, the culture of those people. So I wouldn't dismiss anybody's concerns. No, but I, but and I know you're being they're, they're, very, you're being very circumspect, and I, I, and I hear that, but, but. Do we have a lot more time to do the chatting about it? That's that's the problem, absolutely. So we do need to be be urgently moving to to protect biodiversity in every way that we can. But I think it's not something that we should just be imposing in a heavy-handed, top-down. This must happen right now in this really? way. In every really, really, so because I, is so the I time think, not come for that though? Well, I think, but it, it, I think that that approach has 
been tried and people push back against it. And what well, we actually... they push back against politicians. Yeah. Uh, is, is it not up to experts like you and, and your colleagues kind of shouting loudly from the rooftops? So th- I think so those shouts are being are being made and are being heard. And I think so there is, I think, now more of an impetus towards <laughs> doing something concrete and substantial. So I'm, I'm kind of optimistic in that sense. We have had a swing, as you said, there's green, yeah. green flavour to the government yeah. and so on. But uh, I still think it's quite important that there's dialogue. So that it, it, what you're trying to create is a sense of partnership, a sense of moving together. Bringing people with this, you rather, rather than, than putting rather people than telling them down. So okay. I think it's very important to have those conversations. So this conference, um, which takes place June 8th and 9th coming up, like I don't want to be disparaging and saying it's a talking shop, but to what extent can fora like that actually commit to real change? It's more, I guess it is, it's a sense in which there's a talking shop, but it's got quite a lot of the important voices at that talking shop. So that the opportunity is there for dialogue, not just among national and international experts, mm. but also with politicians, with, with state agencies, with na- NGOs, with community groups, farmers. So it's quite wide-ranging. Wide so, so it's a very diverse group of okay. people that are brought together, and it's exactly that kind of dialogue that I'm talking about that has the potential to improve the recognition mm. of the problem, understand the detail of the problem, and, and get people thinking seriously about what we can do to try yeah. and, and fix this. In, in a, in a if there was one thing that ordinary householders, people listening on their radio this morning, could do, what would you want that to be? So we can take steps to reduce our consumption, I guess, is, is, okay. is the single kind of important thing. You know, so to, to, to use your bike or your or your feet for those short for those short walks, okay. reusable coffee cups, those sorts of things all okay. all do make a difference. So the things we're, we're kind of doing, but maybe maybe just concentrate more on it. It's, it's important yeah. to be doing those things. Not it's not just trivial. virtue and, signaling. And, and, it's, and, it, and, it, and it, I would say the other thing is to not just think I need to be working as an individual for this, that I need to get involved and, and, and look for systemic change, get involved in community groups there's a greater chance then of, of a bigger impact you know so there's quite a lot of wonderful initiatives and, and community groups springing up to make change okay. and to undertake conservation right. priorities okay so. well listen i wish you the best luck with the conference i hope it does uh, go well and more importantly result in in proper change uh, going forward professor tasman crow ucd school of biology and environmental science and chair of the national biodiversity forum thanks a million for joining us on the home show today thanks very much indeed Sinead. and still to come on the home show i'm going to have neven mar on after the break sharing her picnic party must haves ahead of this bank holiday weekend so please do stay tuned for that and of course you can get your questions into us and your suggestions of your favorite picnic spots uh, email your questions problems or queries to us at the home show at newstalk.com or text us on five Three one zero six, and join me back here in a few moments. And you're very welcome back to the Home Show here on News Talk with me, Sinead Ryan. Yes, we are going to be outdoors, al fresco, talking all things picnics with Neve Mar. Neve, you're very welcome to the studio. Hello, I'm excited to be inside with you, but I'm dreaming of the outside. <laughs> outside, so, I know. Yeah, it's heading into that time. I love picnic season. It sure is. And I mentioned at the top of the show, um, just before I went into the segment there on Bloom, that one of my favourite spots for a picnic is the Phoenix Park uh. because it's so huge. You can kind of sit by the ducks or you can sit by out in the Ordnance Survey thing. They have a huge picnic section or you can kind of go into the woods and hopefully meet a little deer or something. What about you? Where's your favourite place to picnic? Well, you stole my favourite place to picnic, Shane. I'm not going to lie to you. Phoenix Park is definitely one of those places for me. But... Um, I'm a bit of a beach picnic gal, so I'm going to have to go with my hometown 
of Port Marnock and the Velvet Strand Beach there. Wonderful, wonderful. Uh, no sand in, in the sandwiches. That's the thing. That brings in a whole other level of, you know, the sandy element of a picnic, but that's half the fun as well. So yeah, I love a beach picnic in the mm. summertime. Mm. So Oh, me too. Oh, listen, I'm a huge fan and you don't need much. I mean, you don't have to be terribly fancy. You don't no. have to kind of bring a lot well I mean it's lovely bring along a bottle of Prosecco and gourmet sandwiches but you don't need to do that you don't no I I think with picnics it's very much a personal preference and you can go big with a picnic and impress your friends and family or you can go a lot smaller and just you know whip out a a small picnic blanket and that's all you need Um, I was looking at a few different options that are out there at the moment so just say for example you wanted to you know like really think about eating outside and thinking about, okay, well, cutlery is kind of one of the main things. Mm. Flying Tiger actually has a very good picnic range at the moment. And in general, it comes in seasonally. So you can get a really nice picnic set for two, which is, it's basically like a little pouch, a little red pouch. And it has a crockery set in it for two. Very handy to carry. literally looks like a handbag. Yeah. And you're set and it's a tenner. Brilliant. I brilliant. mean, that's great. Can't go it? wrong with that. You can't go wrong. Uh, that's fantastic. Now, of course, some of us like to be a little bit on the more posh end, and uh, there's nothing beats, I think, uh, a picnic, a proper old fashioned picnic basket. I went through a phase a few years ago where whenever I was invited to a wedding, I brought along, like, my gift was a picnic basket because oh, I lovely. don't think it's something you'd buy yourself. No, I agree with you. That's a lovely gift actually. That's really nice. And yeah, I know the ones that you're talking about, the big the wicker, wicker yeah, ones yeah, that are yeah. they're massive. And, and everything's, you know, in straps and you proper proper cutlery and yeah. proper plates. Yeah. Everything has a place. So like that on the other end of the spectrum if you wanted to you know, invest a little bit in something that will last you if you take care of it a mm. lifetime. You can invest if you were to go to Brian Thomas, for example, you can get a full picnic basket, the old style with um, beautiful blue gingham lining for €135. Euro. <gasps> Gasp. <gasps> but at the same time... No, but you're going to have that for life. Like exactly. th- That's going to last you for ages. Because, I mean, how many picnics do you go on in a year? You know, especially in Irish weather. No, literally. And I mean, this bank holiday weekend, you know, the weather is good. So people may have already gone on their one picnic a year. So it's <laughs> no, nice. No, let's not. It, let's it's nice to, not. to enjoy it. But for example, if you were to invest in this one, it's, uh, like I said, lined with beautiful blue gingham. It has insulated compartments for all of your food, a full set of crockery for four people. And it also comes with, I love this, a small, waterproof bag that you can put the dirty dishes into ah, afterwards so that you're not going to wreck Smart. the 135 euro basket <laughs> okay. that you've invested in. Brilliant. Okay, so that's from uh, Brown Thomas. Uh, now, a picnic blanket, I think probably people feel like, oh, I, I have to lug it out of the car, drag it down onto the beach. Any options for people there? Because you do need something to sit on. Absolutely, you do. And, th- and again, this is a great thing. If you don't, if you're not going to a park that has benches and seats there, chances are you're going to be sitting on the ground. Um, I mentioned Flying Tiger earlier. Actually, you can get bigger blankets that you carry there for twelve euro, which are mm. nice. But Amazon actually have these mini picnic blankets, which are once folded up. You can it comes on a keychain. It's the size of a bank card, away, and away. it folds out to 110 centimeters, so it can comfortably fit one at a push two people. And this is say, for example, you've been invited to a picnic, but you don't know what the situation is, and you just want to throw one in your purse. And literally, you can fold it back up. It's waterproof, and it is nine euro. So oh, cool. I wonder whether the folding it up afterwards might involve a bit of origami. But uh, <laughs> anyway, that's good. Now that's keeping it, yeah. your food uh, cool. 
and uh, chilled and all of that. And those boxes favoured by campers everywhere um, are a a good start, aren't they? Absolutely. It's the classic cooler box that everybody needs if you're going on a dedicated picnic. And I would definitely suggest a Cathalon. They do fantastic camping ranges in there and you can get a really good... uh, cooler box for 40 euro which has the preservation capacity of 13 hours now that's something that you wouldn't maybe think about when you're buying a cooler box Mm. but it's just good to know you'll know that everything will keep for a very long time and that's literally the longest picnic imaginable for 13 hours (laughs) so you'll be sorted for that and of course you can buy those um, ice blocks exactly that can go in them sticking them in the freezer the night before and throw them in the bottom Uh, although I have had experience where all my sandwiches stuck to one of them one year and we had to be defrosted so that's not good (laughs) yeah I know so see so if people aren't kind of into the whole sitting on the rug especially maybe on the beach or you know where it's uneven um you found you can bring your whole table and chairs with you. Well, so this is it again. Yes, if you're not a big fan or if like me, you're heading into that portion of your life where your knees are at you, um, it's always nice to sit on on something that's not the ground. So again, staying in Decathlon, you can get picnic seating in there for 60 euro. And this is such good value because it's a folding camping table and stools for four to six people. So it folds all the way up so you can pop it in the car. It's not really cumbersome and and massive as well. Um, And And does it just kind of fold out then when you get there? Exactly, it just Ah, folds out. And I mean, it's pretty standard. Like, it's not anything, you know, that's going to go, wow. No, but it keeps you off the ground. Keeps you off the ground. And somewhere to put your food. And you can put your food in it. That's something as well that you have to think about when you're going on a picnic. Surfaces, where are you going to actually eat? And of course, Neve, what you are going to look at if you're doing a picnic, if you want to just make it a special occasion, is really about getting the basics right. So once you've made the the food, you've made the sandwiches, you've stuck in a flask or something. Um, what what else do we need to ensure for a great, perfect picnic? I mean, picking the right spot is is definitely the, the best thing to, to start out your day with. Picking the right spot is essential when you're going for a picnic. Don't forget about the surfaces. Like we said, if you don't have a table, think about whether you can flip over the cooler box if people will want to lean on something because that's the worst thing. If you've gone to all this trouble to pack this beautiful food for your picnic and then people are uncomfortable eating, you don't want that. Packing right is essential. I'm not going to tell people how to pack their sandwiches but let's not attach the sandwiches to the cooler block if possible <laughs> um, make sure that there's shade I know that we live in Ireland but at the same time you know if if it is a sunny day I find that Irish people don't usually come equipped for that mm. and before you know it everybody is raw red so make sure that there's maybe a tree or some shade around if people need it uh, throw pillows just because why not be a little bit fancy for yeah. the one picnic of the year that we're all going to yeah. enjoy, just you know, stick them in the back of the car. Just stick them in the back of the car. Bring a few extras. Get a little bit of, you know, atmosphere around. And then as well, cutting boards. People always seem to forget these. Well, you're absolutely right. Bring it a cutting board. Really is important, so isn't important. it? Otherwise, you're kind of trying to cut a tomato in your hand. I or mean, on, trying to know. cut a cucumber yeah. as well. Like yeah. very difficult without a cutting board. And it means board. then you can bring the the food, the fruit and veg, 
you know, intact. You don't have to chop it all up before you go exactly. and it's fresh. And then, okay. and then mason jars are also fantastic just for bringing food and keeping it secure as well and also like cleaning up at the end of it as they well. Are. And, also, yeah. and you can get them in all kinds of shapes and sizes and, uh, yeah. or the Kilner jars and they're completely sealed and exactly. everything is in it. And Good. do clean up as well. That's the main thing as yeah. well. If you're going and you're making a mess in one of our beautiful parks around the country, make sure you take all your crap with you yeah. when you're leaving. Yeah. And just leave your footprints. All right, Neve Marr uh, of her.ie. Thank you very much for those uh, hints and tips about a perfect picnic. And I'm still looking for your perfect picnic spot, folks. If it is in your local area, where would you recommend that people go? You can text us on 53106 or email us at the at and I will retweet some of those lovely ones you want to send me a picture on Instagram at Sineadron100 I will uh, take a look at that too uh, Now Neve, uh, one of the other things I wanted to chat to you about because it's something I'm in two minds about it but it's making a huge comeback in interiors and this is the whole thing about fringes and tassels everywhere I look at the moment I'm on the lookout for cushions mm. at the moment and everyone I see have these little tassels on the corners of them and yeah. I look I think they're beautiful. I love them. But I wonder, is it just a fad? And and how do you stop it looking like a kind of a Victorian, I you know, know gothic I know. Yeah, <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. I love seeing when trends come back into fashion, especially when they remind me of a certain time. And this fringing, like you said, the Victorian era, it, it also was massive in the 70s as well. For me, I actually remember my, my grandmother's house. She had fringing wherever fringing could be there was fringing lampshades lampshades bases of sofas curtains tassels <laughs> I, I even remember being on the back of a couch I don't even know how she managed that um, but it brings a, a lovely sense of nostalgia I think obviously if you're trying to bring that into the home you wanted to have a modern twist and mm. actually kind of speaking about the outdoors I saw a beautiful parasol I'm in the market for a parasol at the moment trying to you know. well of my, course you are I'm in the market <laughs> trying Trying to, keep isn't? My, trying to keep my skin away from that sun <laughs> and I was in Woody's and I saw this beautiful parasol that actually had stunning fringing around at the actual umbrella part of it which was mm. lovely I just thought it brought something a little bit different than just the classic like standard parasols um, and I wasn't you know I didn't kind of go oh my god look at that fringing how dated I thought it looked lovely and I yeah. think less is probably more when it comes to this fringing there's something very feminine about yeah. it isn't there to have a little bit of fringing around which kind of shimmers as you move yeah. uh, or, or sit down or look at it or you know the air catches it where where do you draw the line I mean, I think it's it's personal taste. But like I said, you know, as much as I loved my grandmother, maybe less is more when it comes to fringing <laughs> and tassel. I think um, what I love about the way that interiors are going at the moment is that we are all stepping away from minimalism. In general, trends are moving towards people being surrounded by things that make them happy and yeah. that give them joy. And if tassels bring you a little bit of joy, yeah. then bring them into I mean, your life. You're not going to find them in a Japanese or Scandi home. No. But that's okay, isn't exactly. it? I mean, we can do what we like. So wh- where I like, I think it always adds a bit of luxury where you use that, you know, the old fashioned, you've got drapes yeah. and you have a kind of a, fringed cord or, yes. or tassel tie back like a tie back yeah. yes I used to just love just a splash and in a different colour maybe yeah I remember and this is so funny because it's just bringing back all of these trends I wonder if your listeners would, would kind of uh, you know relate to that as well we used to have these soft blush pink tie backs on our curtains in my parents house growing up and I remember that it was a part of the routine 
to actually, you know, do the the curtain tie back in the morning. Mm. And I used to always play with them. And I remember the cat used to always mess with the tassels as well. Actually, <laughs> word of warning, if you have pets, maybe. Yeah, they love know, the old tassels. They, yeah. they do love the tassels. Um, but yeah, it brings a lovely sense of nostalgia. And actually bringing it into a curtain with a tie back would be a really nice way to mm. do a nod to it without, you know, completely overdoing, overdoing it. it. And I know that a lot of the craft uh, shops. We were talking about crafts earlier in the show, but there are a lot of of craft shops that sell, say, wool and threads that also have fringing that you can buy and maybe attach it temporarily. Absolutely, DIY tea, do it yourself tassels. I will say, Joanne Mooney is an Instagrammer and an interior influencer who I absolutely adore, and she loves tassels and she actually makes them herself as well. So if you go on to Joanne Mooney's page, you'll get some really nice kind of tips and tricks about how you can maybe do it yourself and see if you like it. I mean, that just sounds like a nice afternoon either way. (laughs) Making a nice tassel. (laughs) Indeed, indeed. And stitch it on and see how you like the look of that. All right. Well, now, listen, Neve. thank you so much uh, for doing all that shopping for us. As always, I know you hate it. I hate it. You're making me do it. (laughs) And hopefully we will have you back on the show soon, uh, sooner rather than later. And if there's anything that uh, you'd like Neve to research for us on your behalf, uh, we will be happy to send her out busy, busy around the shops uh, to look for just the right thing for you. So do get us in your ideas uh, and uh, thoughts on that at uh, 53106. Uh, and that is all that we have time for on the show today. So I say thank you to Neve Marr from her.ie. And uh, anything you'd like to talk to us about, have a question for us or get involved or any guests you'd like us to have on that you'd like me to chat to, do let us know. Uh, you can email us during the week at thehomeshow at newstalk.com. Every single one of those gets read. Uh, and don't forget to check out the Home Show podcast, which is up on the News Talk website and be there just after the show. Thank you to Marisa Sullivan producing today with Stephen McLoon on sound. Anton Savage is up next. I don't know whether he's going for a picnic, uh, but do stay tuned for him and have a great weekend. And remember, we are here every Saturday at 8. See you next week.